this weekend we're continuing the series Built to Last. For several weeks now we've been talking about a built to last family and a built to last marriage. And we've been looking at different aspects of that. We're going to continue this weekend with what we're calling a new floor plan. A new floor plan. About 11 years ago, Denise and I purchased another home. We had had a previous home we had lived in for about 14 years. And Denise kept saying, when we get another home, and we planned it for about a couple years, she said, when we get another home, I want this and I don't want that. And the new floor plan, I want to make sure that it has. And I don't want to have this and I want to have more of that. Well, uh, after a couple years of planning on it, we went out and we started shopping and we found uh, the area we wanted to live in. And when it came to the floor plan, can I tell you, Denise decided. Now, I said price range, but she chose the floor plan. In fact, she chose every color in it. The day it came for us to choose the color brick, the paint, the walls, the carpet, the tile, and all the stuff, all the color stuff you choose on that day. You put it all together. She asked me that day, now today's the day we go pick out all the stuff for the house. Do you want to go? I said, would it make any difference? She said, no. That's literally what she said. So I didn't even go. I said, you do that? I don't care what color it is. Uh, To me, I don't have an eye for color anyway. But we're going to talk about a new floor plan. Our house. There are things about it. Denise says, this is what I want. I wanted more of this, and I wanted less of that. We're going to relate that to the family. Now, we've been looking at this wall all through this series. And we talk about a built-to-last family like a built-to-last house. You have to have the right materials and good workmanship. If this is not right then you don't have a built-to-last family. Now, on the outside, when now that we're sheetrocking it, this is what we look at. And we look at the color and we say, oh, this is nice. This is only as nice as this is solid and strong. So this weekend, we're talking about the new floor plan. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by a new floor plan? We're going to talk this weekend about blended families. Blended families. So for this weekend, I'm going to talk about some of you are in a new floor plan, if you please. You lived in one marriage, in one home, in one situation, and things changed through divorce, remarriage. And some, and this is becoming more uh, a matter as uh, people are living longer, and that's widows and widowers. And in another marriage, after you've lost a spouse, things have begun to change. Now, most of us have the wrong idea about the blended family because it came to us from the Brady Bunch. And we grew up watching the Brady Bunch. And and the Brady Bunch family, they can have a problem and solve it all in 30 minutes. And at the end of the 30-minute program, everybody's around the dinner table and everybody's happy. It doesn't happen that easy. The same thing with being a widow or widower. You got all of your direction from a sleepless in Seattle. And you're thinking, if I could just go to New York on Valentine's and be there in the evening, I'm going to find Mr. or Mrs. Perfect, and they're going to show up. It doesn't happen that way. We realize that families today are are challenged by the issue of the blended family. And as I go into it, let me just say, sometimes we think the people and the uh, families mentioned in the Bible, they're perfect, And we're all messed up. Can I tell you? The Bible has a lot to say about the blended family. In fact, in the Old Testament, there were were lots of blended family situations. 
And that was from multiple marriage. Can I tell you, they really had some weird stuff going on in the Old Testament. And God was saying, no, don't do that. And there was that context. The blended family is something that is not only in the Bible, it's in our society today. 50% of all marriages right now will probably fail in divorce. That, that, that is a national average. Do you know that second marriages are about 70% and third marriages are like plus 75% of a divorce rate? So the brokenness and the blended family situation is very much a reality in our culture. One-third of all marriages today happening in the United States will be couples that are coming into a blended family situation. So it is a reality and I want to start off by saying you're not broken and there's, there's no reason God can't and won't be glorified in your family. I want to put that in your spirit. God intends to be glorified in your blended family, in the step family situation. Marriages are challenged. Somebody said, well, marriages are, are made in heaven. And someone said, oh, I knew somebody up there didn't like me. Well, don't get into that mentality, okay? At your wedding, perhaps the song was sung, the wind beneath my wings. And then two years later, you realized it was turbulence and it wasn't, (laughs) ah. Someone said, marriage is picking somebody you want to annoy for the rest of your life. No, no, no. I want to call our hearts together and look at Scripture and I want to give some direction and help this weekend for the blended family. So I'm talking to every marriage today, but I want to in particular talk to the blended family and also the widower and widow. What does God want for our family, for our marriages? With that in mind, I'm going to invite you to join me in the New Testament book of Colossians. Colossians chapter number 3. There are three verses here I want to highlight, and it's going to speak to us. There are eight qualities that are given. And I'm going to unpack these eight qualities in six brief points, six brief points that speak to the blended family today. Therefore, verse number 12, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. I like that phrase, in perfect unity. That's what all of us want for our family. That's what all of us want for our marriage, is that perfect unity. How do we get there? God has advice and God has principles on how to get to the place of perfect unity. And I want to give us some thoughts regarding that and apply them to the blended family. The first is be Christ-centered. Be Christ-centered. All of this discussion starts in verse number 12. Therefore, as God's chosen, holy, and dearly beloved. It's almost like saying you can't have the rest of verse 12, 13, and 14 if you don't start off realizing you're God's children and the admonishment is be holy. What is he saying? We can have, we can have a blended family that honors God if we will be Christ-centered. If you will have a making new experience and say, in this home, in this marriage, in this family, the marriage and family I'm in right now, Christ is going to be the center. Can I tell you, God can be glorified. And a Christ-centered family, I have noticed it's this. Decisions are already made. 
decisions have already been decided. Some of us are in homes in which spiritual decisions are up for debate every weekend. Oh, are we going to go to church or not? Are we going to follow God's word? Are we going to? No, I'm going to do it your way. Is it your way, my way? No, his way, her way, your kids, my kids. And it goes back and forth. And it's just, it's just whoever protests the most, that's the direction the family goes in. I want to admonish and call all of us to be Christ-centered. And at the end of this message, I'm going to give families and I'm going to give couples a moment to say, as of this moment, no matter what we've done in the past, no matter how we've done it, perhaps we messed it up in the past, but we're going to start off today and we're going to say we're going to be Christ-centered. Perhaps you made mistakes in the past. Perhaps you, you, you found Christ after you got married. Perhaps you did marriage wrong to begin with. What I'm saying is, as of this day, right now, in this family, in this marriage, to be Christ-centered. Decisions that have already been incited, we're going to do it God's way. And I've noticed in pastoring through the years, there are three primary characteristics of a non-Christ-centered family. Families that are not Christ-centered. They may come to church some. They may read the Bible some. They may say they want to live for God. They may feel like they have a place in their life for God. I've noticed three common characteristics of a non-Christ-centered family. The first is, is God and church fits in if and when it's convenient. God fits in if and when it's convenient. Oh, we don't really do that. Our family doesn't believe in that. We don't go along with that. And God comes in only if and when it's convenient. But sometimes church attendance and, and is, is only when it's to kind of gather together and to feel good and we have this spiritual moment once a week or once a month for God. But the rest of the time we follow our own pathway, our own entertainment, our own lifestyle, whatever the case may be. God is only if and when it's convenient. Number two I've noticed in non-Christ-centered families is God's Word never intrudes in their life. There's like a firewall. Oh, you believe that about the Bible? I don't believe that. We don't believe it that way. We don't follow it that way. That God's Word only speaks to them in areas of blessings and promises. They like blessings and they like promises. But if it ever begins to talk about actions, decisions, lifestyle, attitudes then no, we don't believe, it, we'll just go to another church that believes the way we believe. The third characteristic I've noticed about a non-Christ-centered family is that feelings become their belief. Feelings become their belief. If when you say concerning how you view God, if it's based upon your feelings, you're in that non-Christ-centered zone because my feelings do not override my belief when the bible says i forgive those who have done me wrong i don't feel that way i don't i don't feel that way when somebody's cut me off on the freeway and you 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 can read lips and they're cussing you out as they're driving by or the coworker does, or this happens, and somebody does, and it just kind of brings an attitude in you to say, you know what, doesn't matter if I've been done wrong, I'm not going to retaliate. I don't feel like that. But Christ-centered families say, doesn't matter how I feel. 
feelings do not dictate my spiritual values. This is what God's Word says. I may feel like not going to church, but God's Word tells me to worship and gather together and not forsake the assembling of myself with God's people. Feelings do not override belief. And in Christ-centered families, they understand strong faith will build a strong family. So my first admonishment is from verse number 12. He is appealing to us. If you want God's best, you want God's best, you are God's people. Be holy. You're God's choice. God wants to work in you. But you need to see that God wants to be the center of all that you do. Number two. Let's go on. Let's look at Scripture. Not only only being Christ-centered, maintain a positive attitude. Maintain a positive attitude. It's in verse number 12. And I'm going to put several attitudes together. Just right here. Clothe yourself with compassion. Clothe yourself with kindness. With humility and gentleness. You want to have a, you want to have a growing and healthy blended family? Maintain a positive godly attitude. Let me talk to blended families for a moment. In the home, doesn't matter what X does, doesn't matter what former, don't bring that in the home. Don't fight that fight in this marriage, in this home. Don't badmouth them in this home. Don't let the kids hear that. Don't bring yourselves into places that you're choosing sides. Well, it's not right. It doesn't matter what's happening over there. Clothe yourself with gentleness, compassion, kindness, humility. Do what's right in the home. If you open the door to bad attitudes, it just brings in the toxic bad stuff that will, that will ruin the marriage that God's wanting to work in that you have right now. And for step-parents, step-parents, let me just, in this area of, of attitude, maintaining a good attitude, let me just give you a Three quick things, please. First off, step-parents, rules without relationship only produce rebellion. Rules without relationship only produce rebellion. What am I saying? You come in the home, sir, ma'am, you come in the home, the spouse has children, they're stepchildren, just because you have the title of now husband or wife, You cannot use that to lay down rules and regulations in the home. Relationship precedes that. Build a relationship with those kids. For you see, the the kids in a remarriage, they feel like it's a loss. For the couple coming together... He's coming, she's coming, and they met each other, and they said, maybe they say, I want to do a Christ-centered marriage, did it wrong before, and they're coming together in a remarried situation. For them, it's a win, but often for the kids, it feels like a loss because if you ask the kids, the kids always want the, their mama or their daddy to reconcile and get back together. And it's going to take some grace in that step-parent in this relationship to move forward. And how do you do it? Relationship must precede the rules. Number two, very quickly for step-parents, love and respect, love and respect, if that's what you want as a step-parent, love and respect is a product of trust. 
And trust is something that is given, not demanded. Trust is given. When those kids begin to trust you, when they begin to trust you, when they give you that trust, with their trust comes love and respect. And thirdly, step parents. Sometimes the only light you can shine, sometimes the only light you can shine is polite. Just be polite. In other words, maintain a good attitude. Maintain a good attitude. Number three, let's go on. Practice patience. Verse number 12. It's in the same verse that says, clothe yourself with compassion, humility, gentleness. And it even says patience. But I didn't include it with maintain uh, a positive attitude. I pulled it aside and I said, this one needs to stand on its own. Practice patience. It's one of the requirements. If you want a healthy marriage, if you want a healthy home life, practice, practice Patience. Studies were done on blended families. Studies were done on blended families. How long does it take a blended family coming together, stepchildren coming together, how long does it take before they feel like a family unit? You know, they've done studies, and here's what they've discovered. It takes a blended family coming together, stepchildren, where they feel like they're a family unit, five to seven years. Five to seven years. Here's what I'm saying. Practice patience. You may be 18 months in this. You may be two years in this. Don't say, I'm not doing anymore. I've done all I can do. Don't pull away. Don't get upset. Practice patience. It takes about five to seven years. But let me share with you another study. Because when a family comes together in a blended family... They come together in the home. They begin to relate intellectually. There's mental bonding. Then there's kind of some emotional bonding that goes on. And you go on and on and on. And you get closer. And finally, they feel like a family unit. One study I read says that if there, if there is strong spiritual bonding, the, the importance of being Christ-centered, if there is strong spiritual bonding, the five to seven years is cut in half and sometimes even less than that. If you will be Christ-centered. There is something about when there is a spiritual bonding, intellectual and emotional bonding is accelerated. Does that sound similar to this verse? One day in his court is like a thousand elsewhere. Have you ever heard that preached on before? If the spiritual element is happening, it accelerates everything else in the home. So I'm encouraging you. Be patient. Be patient. Let God pull that family together. Number four or three or two or whichever one I'm on now. <laughs> Persistently endure. If you're in the app, all of, this, all of the scriptures and, and points are here. Persistently endure. It says bear with each other. Bear with each other. What does that mean? Put up with each other. Put up with each other. You're going to come into the home and you have rules and expectations and guess what? It's not going to work that way. 
You're not going to change them. Sometimes you just bear with each other. You just work out. You just grit your teeth sometimes. You may not like it. They're different from you. Things are different. Some of the struggles you have, you just bear with it. Persist. Persist. Endure this. Get through it. Let me give an exercise for every marriage. You want a healthy marriage? A healthy family? There's one exercise. It's called bending over backwards. <laughs> bending over backwards. It will help you. What am I talking about? Persistently endure. Next point. Next point. When all else fails, forgive. When you say, I've done, I, I, I put on kindness and I tried the humility and I tried to be gentle and I put up with it and it's still not working. What do I need to do now? Verse number 13, forgive one another if you have any grievance. You're upset, forgive. Don't pout, don't pull away, don't withdraw, don't get mad, don't move out, don't threaten. What do you do? You forgive. Why should I forgive? Verse number 13. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He didn't walk out on you. God God forgave my junk. God forgave my stuff. He didn't walk out on me. I had stuff. I, I had some ugly stuff going on. God didn't give up on me. God didn't give up on you. Don't give up on that family. Don't give up. Forgive when all else fails. When oh, and you say it's not working. Don't don't keep score. Just forgive it. Just forgive it. Stepson borrowed your car and put a dent in it. Forgive it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get over it. Because guess what? Two more years, you're going to try to convince your wife why you need a new truck anyway. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Forgive it. Just don't hold on to it. And God's given us some advice here that helps. Forgiveness just cleanses relationship. It just cleanses the relationship. And I, I want to talk to... Blended families for a moment. Hear my heart in this. When we don't forgive, there's a pain. There's there's stress and pain. And pain from unforgiveness is never a pain God ever gets glory out of. Now God gets glory out of other pain. When we suffer because we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, the Bible says He gets glory for that. When I persevere under difficult times because I want to be light to co-workers, God gets glory out of that pain. But God never gets glory out of pain that's caused from unforgiveness. So if you're in a situation and it continues to hurt and it continues to hurt and you don't see God getting glory out of it, Here's what the Holy Spirit would say. Forgive it. Forgive it. Walk away from it. So you can be whole. I'm going to ask the keyboard player to join me on the platform as I go into this last moment, this last point. And then I'm going to begin to talk to us and we're going to go into an altar moment. Everyone stay with me. 
Stay with me. The last one is choose love. The scripture says, put on love. And if you put on love, guess what? It takes you to a point of perfect unity. Perfect unity. Now, he takes us back to verse number 12 and he says, clothe yourself with gentleness. Clothe yourself with kindness. Clothe yourself with humility. But he's going to take us a little bit further and he says, you've done all of that. It's still not enough. And there, there are some step-parents in this house right now. There are some spouses and blended families. And you're saying, I've done and I've done and I've done and I've done. And it's not working. What do I do now? Here it is. God's given us direction. He sent this point. Clothe yourself with love. There's one more thing you've got to do. You've got to do everything with love. You see? sometimes you just things wear thin on this and you just have to go back and say I've given all but I'm still going to stick with it I'm just going to stick with this family I'm going to make this work I'm going to put on love and I'm going to love my way through things I don't understand and don't agree with and that takes you to that that perfect unity. I'm going to invite people in this auditorium in just a moment to come stand here, and I want you to wait. When I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make an appeal, but I don't want you to move until I say come. And when I say come, then I want you to come and stand here, and I want to have prayer with you. Why? Because I'm going to ask you on this weekend. I want you to have a moment and a time in which you say before God. Before God, I told God, this is what I'm recommitting myself to. I'm going to make this floor plan that I have in this marriage work. I, I'm going to be what I need to be to those stepkids in this home, in this family. And you need a moment that you say you declare it before God. Not that you had mental assent to and you thought about because I want you next week or next month or at the end of this year when things are tough and you're upset to remember there was a moment you stood before God and you said, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. So I'm going to ask you to come and stand here in just a moment. But don't move until I invite you to come. Who? First off, couples that you need to be Christ-centered. Perhaps you came to the Lord you came to Christ after you're in this marriage and it's easy particularly if you come to Christ after the marriage you keep functioning in the same marriage the same way and you use Christ and you use God as just a painkiller for the problems that you have but I'm going to invite you to be Christ centered I'm going to invite you today to go on record and say, I am going to be Christ-centered. If God's Word teaches it, the Bible says it, I don't agree, it goes against my nature, it, it's, going to, it's going to help, it, it's going to make me deal with some of my issues, and it's, it's going to be painful, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do family God's way, to be Christ-centered. If that's you, in just a moment when I invite you, I want you to 
some, some, the marriage is much less than what you want it and hope to be. You dreamed and prayed for a marriage very different from the marriage you're experiencing right now. And you felt yourself in the last several months or the last year or two to withdraw. There's been a lot of distance and you're not as close as you once were. And you know it. In just a moment, if that's you, I'm going to ask you to come. I'm going to ask you to renew your commitment to that marriage and let God bring his love into your heart again and rediscover each other in that marriage. For some, you need to forgive. There has, there has been wounds and hurts. Things have been said, things have been done that has wounded you deeply, and I'm going to ask you to forgive it. You can't correct it. You've argued against it. You've, you, you've had many battles, and it's, it's just driven you apart. What do you do now when all else fails? forgive because Christ forgave you and I'm going to ask you to forgive for some in this room you're cohabitating you come to church because you have a God interest and you want to work you want God to work in your life but you're in a relationship that God will never bless because you have not brought that relationship under the covering and the covenant of marriage and God will never approve of that relationship until you have you have honored God in marriage and I'm going to ask you perhaps you'll come and say I'm committing today that we're going to get married as soon as possible that doesn't mean next year when you can afford the dress you want that means as soon as possible we never put off obeying God when it's convenient for us we don't put off obeying God to make it convenient for us and you say well I want to, but he won't. Then it's time to move on. It's time to move on. For some, we're in a step-family situation, and you need God's wisdom. And some, you're at your wit's end. You don't know what to do. It's been a battle, and there's been choosing sides, unfortunately. And you've imposed and you have thrown up. Guess what? I do, but they don't. And I pay child support, but yours doesn't pay child. And that's unfair. And, that's, and that has been a conflict. I, I'm going to ask you to come and stand here and say, we're going to find God's solution and we're going to apply God's wisdom to our family. We're not going to battle about it anymore, but we're going to unite together as a couple. For some... You're a step-parent, and you've done right, but you're deeply hurt. You're hurt because you came in and you have you've been a provider. You've been a good example. You have tried to be understanding, and you have, you, you, you have tried to, to be the best example you can. You've tried to love those kids, mother or dad, but... When somebody asks those children, are you the dad, you the mom? You've heard them say, no, that's not my dad, that's not my mom. And you're called by a first name, and you have never been recognized or appreciated for all your sacrifice, and you're, you're hurt. 
Maybe you've shared it with your spouse. Maybe you have not. But you're hurt. And I'm going to ask you to bring that hurt to the Lord. To forgive the hurt. And be Christ-centered. To just bear with it and believe for God to bring perfect unity to that family. I'm going to ask you to not hold on to that. I thank you for what you're doing but your spirit is wounded. Some need God's wisdom. You're in an impasse. Personalities are dominating. And you're polarized right now. And you're thinking in your mind, we will never work through this. Yes, you will. Be patient. Put on gentleness. Put on humility. Cover that with love. Believe in it. Pray, pray for God to get you through that. There's perfect unity coming, but quit threatening to leave, and you need God's wisdom now, if that's you. If you're a widower, a widow, had a wonderful marriage, but your spouse is, for whatever reason, it changed, and you're in a new season, and you've struggled to give yourself permission to go on. For somehow it just feels like maybe you're being disloyal or would my former spouse approve of this and you've, you've been conflicted. Celebrate what you have. But perhaps God's given you direction and freedom to move to a new season and you need to give yourself freedom to do that. If that's you. If that's you. If you found yourself in any of these categories... I'm going to ask you to come right now and stand here with me. You come. We're going to pray. Thank you. this morning I was praying for you I was in my office I was watching the sun come up I said Lord if I could tell him one thing from your heart what would it be and I felt like the Lord spoke to my spirit to tell you he intends to be glorified in the family you have now and if you have somehow felt like you're damaged goods and you can't be complete and have perfect unity. And you, God holds something against you. Can I, don't let the enemy put that on you. 
Everything in the past is put under the blood. Serve the Lord. Be Christ-centered. And let God be glorified in your family. Let me pray with you. Father, at this moment I bring these gracious, wonderful people before you. Many have said in services, and there have been wounds in their heart and frustration in their spirit, even conflict in the home, and they've been praying, God, help me move past this, how to get beyond this. And now, Lord, they stand before your presence. Many are saying right here and declaring they're going to be Christ-centered. Perhaps to this point they have not. Perhaps you have only stepped into their life when when and if it's convenient, but they're committing themselves today to be Christ-centered in the home, the values, their decision, how they do family, how they relate to one another as couples, how they relate as parents and step-parents in the home. I pray for them. As they commit themselves to you to let Jesus be at the center of all they do, Lord, that takes them in a and a challenging zone. There are things in all of us that you want to work and transform and and deal with. And I pray, God, you'll help them. I know you will. For those, Lord, who are committing, they've been in a cohabitation moment, and they're, they're committing today that they're going to bring this relationship under the covering of God. Perhaps they moved in at a time they weren't believers, but now they are, and they're seeking, God, your blessing, and they're committing to do family your way. I thank you for them. I thank you for those who are letting go of some hurts and past and debris and failures and mess. And they're going to just forgive it and seek your forgiveness. Quit blaming and and quit using anger and withdrawal and, and emotions as a way to retaliate. God, just to help them forgive and let go of the pain and the disappointment. For the step-parent that has been so faithful and has just tried to do the very best by that family, but has been wounded by the lack of reception and respect they've received, I just pray, God, I just pray in the name of the Lord, you'll encourage them. That, God, that you will affirm their faithfulness and they will not be weary in well-doing. And they would hear the Holy Spirit say to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. And that would be enough encouragement for them to continue to be diligent and faithful in the areas. God, give them grace and give them the patience they need. When it is just so necessary that they have to be strong in, in trying moments in the home. For those, God, who have withdrawn and have found themselves in a shell. They're not the spouse they want to be, but it seems like they can't express, they can't open up, they just can't be free because they've been hurt and wounded of the past and they're so afraid to let down their guard. I pray, God, today that they will, by the help of the Holy Spirit, begin to clothe themselves with kindness, compassion, humility, patience, and that enduring love. Draw these families together and God 
encourage them. Let them know they can have the favor of the Lord. And I pray and speak your blessing over them, over their home, over their family, over their pursuits, God, over their finances over their decisions that have to be made. God, in the name of Jesus, be glorified in that family and encourage their hearts today. In Jesus' name.